So today is our last Eightfold Path session, actually our last Sunday session. There's also the day long, which we'll advertise again at the end. And so we've made it to the eighth fold. Whoa, really? (laughs) Has it been that many? So we're up to wise concentration, or sama samadhi. And that's going to be our topic of exploration today from various different perspectives. And it'll be a chance, of course, to talk about it, experience it a little bit in the meditation. And then you'll still have, you still have a month of practice ahead of you doing this factor. So you'll still be getting the emails and uh, you should meet with your mentor um, during this last month. We're just kicking it off with our final Sunday session today. So, why don't we begin then with a sit to settle us in. Explore this factor and others. So allowing yourself to arrive physically, just getting the sense that you're Sitting here, the energy of arrival is gone, and now you've arrived. Sensing into the body in the sitting posture. And finding some degree of ease. It may help to... Sense the contact points where you're sitting, your seat against the chair or the cushion, legs or feet against the floor. Perhaps taking a couple of long, slow, deep breaths and on the exhale, letting your body settle in a little more securely to the sitting posture. Noticing your posture, checking whether it's both upright and relaxed. Perhaps imagining the body being buoyed upward, like a sea plant off the sea floor. You have the solid base, and then the body floats above that. And softening the muscles of the face. Forehead, the eyes, the jaw. Softening the eyes and the eye sockets. Inside the head, finding some release. Imagining that you're letting go of the thinking muscle 
right in the middle of the brain, finding some space. Inviting ease down through the throat, the collarbones, letting the shoulder blades slide down the back. Easing down through the chest, the heart, the lungs, releasing the diaphragm, natural breath. Softening any way that you're holding through the belly, just letting the belly be round and also simultaneously releasing the muscles of the low back. Finding a balance point for the upright body so that there's no need to have any tension through the core muscles. body just rests on the bones. Opening the hip joints, softening the groin muscles. Releasing any bracing in the legs. Softening through the thighs and the calves, the ankle joints and the feet. Letting the feet melt into the ground a bit. to settle onto the sensations of breathing. The simple flow of the breath in and out Nothing complicated. Just the coolness as it enters, sense of flowing through the body. Shift of clothing against the skin. Relaxation on the out-breath.
Letting the mind rest on the gentle, easeful flow of the breath. Finding some degree of balance. If the mind gets pulled into thoughts or begins to get dull and fall away from the breath, just allowing those sensations again to come to the foreground, the flow of the breath. We can intend to notice the entire flow of the breath from the very beginning of the in-breath, that first touch of the air, all the way through the point where no more air is coming in, the very end of the in-breath. Shifting to the beginning of the out-breath, all the way down through those changing sensations to the very, very end where there's almost no sensation. Then maybe a little gap and the beginning of the next in-breath. So intending for a continuity of mindfulness through this series of simple sensations that we call the breath. begin to feel the mind gathering. The sensations in the body that we mainly feel are those associated with the breath. 
The intention in the mind is to just rest with the breath. To the degree that we have thoughts, we direct the mind toward the breath. It's a relaxed, open set of sensations. But they're all gathered around this experience of breathing. Allowing this sensation to gently tranquilize the body. Softening areas of tension, calming areas of agitation, just the simple breath permeating the body. Opening to any sense of ease or peace, even happiness in the mind, due to this simple meditation, simple seclusion from our normally busy mind, just resting.
So I'm sorry to interrupt your cloud of bliss from the concentration meditation. But this is an opportunity for us to begin exploring the eighth step of the Eightfold Path, wise concentration. As I said earlier, the word is Sama Samadhi. Samadhi usually translated as concentration. Um, but the word that word has a lot of associations in English, not all of which are meant by samadhi. So I think we're part of today is we're going to kind of unpack all the different aspects of this of this word. So we'll explore more carefully what the Buddha meant in this final step of the path, both what it is and what it isn't. So this first talk that I'm going to give to kind of um, start us off, I'm going to focus on wise concentration that arises out of continuity of mindfulness. Um, so this can occur on the cushion, and it can also occur in daily life. If we have a continuity of mindfulness, the mind will become <coughs> gathered and present. And so, you know, maybe that's the first thing to know about this thing called concentration, is that it can occur both on and off the cushion Now, it's true that the Buddha uh, defines wise concentration as a meditative state. You know, when when he's asked in the text, what is the definition of this eighth step of the path, he'll talk about um, meditative concentration, and that's what Bill's going to be talking about next, some of the special kinds of deep concentration. (coughs) But actually... um, what I want to talk about first, because that can sound intimidating to people, it's like, well, that's not where my practice is, or whatever. Um, there's just a lot of strange, you know, people get wrapped up in it in various ways. So I want to talk first, spend a lot of time talking about the qualities that are present in concentration, and that prepare the mind to find concentration on the cushion, but are actually present throughout our daily life, and which bring a lot of benefits. Uh, in our day-to-day life also. So qualities of wise concentration. What are the sort of the key elements of a mind with sama samadhi? You can find lists in the text that talk about the jhanic factors and so forth that support meditative concentration and the development of that on the cushion. But there's a whole bunch of other things that happen before that, even, that have to be present in our daily life and in our regular practice uh, before the mind is going to concentrate on the cushion. I'll give away the brief answer, which is, um, you know, sort of the, the key secret, and then we'll have to unpack it more. But the key secret is that continuity of mindfulness off the cushion is what leads to concentration on the cushion. Okay, that's the bottom line. And that's why mindfulness comes before concentration in the steps. Okay, um, But there's other things. For example, um, the mind is unified in a certain way. It should be happy in a certain way. And there's a wholesome intention. There's a wholesome intention supported by uh, wholesome behavior. So we'll, we'll go through some of those. Um, Mindfulness and concentration. Sometimes people say, well, you know, should I develop one first and then the other? Or 
how do I know if I'm practicing mindfulness or concentration? Or can you tell me how to do mindfulness meditation? And now can you tell me how to do concentration meditation? In the early texts, there's not that much difference made between them. This is a big deal that people somehow get in their minds, like there's something special about concentration that's different from mindfulness. But I can't imagine. It's not not even possible to be deeply concentrated and not be mindful. Uh, Nor is it possible to have very excellent continuous mindfulness and not be concentrated. They go together. They have to go together. You can emphasize one or the other in different ways. And there are special states of concentration that come about that Bill will talk about. Um, But really, if you want to understand concentration, develop continuity of mindfulness. So fewer gaps during the day where we suddenly realize we haven't been mindful for the last two hours or something. It really can be (coughs) something that we do a lot of the time. You may have already noticed in your practice that as you have more moments of mindfulness throughout the day, there is a sense of more continuity of your attention. You look back over the day and you have a better sense of how it all flowed. You can remember things better. Uh, We're able to stay present for longer periods of time and we come back faster when the attention has wandered. This is a movement toward continuity of mindfulness. So that's an actual metric that you can check. Do I come back faster and do I stay for longer when I'm present? Don't get out your stopwatch and start measuring. (laughs) But that's generally the feeling you start getting. So then I, I said also that the concentrated or composed mind, that's another word for it, is somehow unified. So what does that mean by unified? Probably you know the experience of mind that is not unified. (laughs) We'll start there. So you're you're sitting in, I don't know, it could be just in your car or anywhere, and on the cushion, and your body is in one state. You know, you've got some, you've got a headache, and so your body is screaming, headache, headache, and Um, that's the main body experience that you're having. But you're actually intending to read, but it's not going very well because you have a headache. And in the meantime, while you're attempting to read, you're also getting distracted because you're remembering all the emotions that you went through at lunch with this horrible conversation you had with somebody. And in the meantime, you're also thinking about the fact that you need to pick up something for dinner. What is it that I was supposed to get? My partner said I had to get something, and I can't remember what it was. So your intentions, your body, your emotions, and your thoughts are in four different places. This is the ununified mind, and we've all experienced it, because that's kind of how we live in this world sometimes. Is that kind of synonymous with multitasking? Multitasking, (laughs) which doesn't actually happen, as as we've learned through neuroscience. We monotask, but we just change quickly when we think we're multitasking. We end up not doing anything as well as we could have if we were just doing that. So, you know, this is um, this is the opposite of a mind that would be gathered together around the experiences of the present moment, and that's what I pointed toward in the meditation, where you know we're experiencing the body, we're experiencing the feelings of the breath. Our intention is that we're intending to stay with the breath. Our thoughts are, we're checking, is my mind with the breath or is it starting to wander off? And I didn't talk about emotions explicitly, but there are emotions associated with the breath, and we can be with those more often. For example, the in-breath is 
energizing and it tends to have kind of a uplifting feeling which you can feel in the mind as a mental feeling and the out breath is relaxing is tranquilizing you can feel that in the mind also so if we're staying more with those kinds of emotions um, then that's gathering the mind around the breath and it's a little harder maybe in daily life because we're doing many different things but it's possible to be gathered around the present moment. What am I doing right now? As opposed to thinking about that, thinking about something in the past, um, am I just preparing tea? And that's what I'm doing. So that's a way to practice gathering the mind in daily life. Concentration arises along with a feeling of joy and happiness. Sometimes people want to get concentrated because they know it's about bliss and happiness and so they say oh i'm not happy in my life so i'm going to develop concentration and then i'll be happy (laughs) sorry it goes the other way Um, happiness always comes before concentration in the steps now if you're not happy and you're worried therefore don't worry about it Um, beginning the process of tranquilizing the body and the mind uh, will begin to bring a certain kind of happiness if we're willing to recognize it I also pointed toward that in the meditation. So just the feeling of having the mind be a little, even just a little bit less scattered than it was before (coughs) has a certain amount of peace and joy, which could be interpreted as joy and happiness with it. And then you can build on that and use that to further gather the mind, further bring it in. Because the mind really doesn't want to be all over the place. That's not a very comfortable, pleasant, happy state. The mind would really like to be settled and uh, connected with what's going on and not focused on uh, yourself and how, how you need to get things and how you need to get rid of things and how your image is in the world. All that is dukkha. <laughs> and so the degree to which we can just be very peacefully with what is simply happening and not so much about us, the mind begins to feel happy and then <coughs> we can build on that. Also, um, If we're doing something like meditating, say, out of obligation, oh, it's the morning, I'm supposed to do this before I go to work, all right, ten minutes, sit down, (laughs) probably not a good time to get really concentrated because the mind is not wanting to be there. You know, there isn't that sense of ease and joy. Or if we're doing something with reluctance or with resentment or with grasping desire, I'm going to get concentrated, (laughs) you know, I'm going to sit down and make it happen. All of these are attitudes that don't support uh, having an easeful, relaxed, peaceful, concentrated mind. So there's some work that is done also on our mental attitude. Now notice that this does not have to do with whether the feeling tone of the experience is pleasant or unpleasant. I didn't say that. So it's possible actually to become concentrated uh, with unpleasant feeling tone. Some people have pain, chronic pain, in their body and become very, very concentrated and blissful using the pain as an object. It's possible. Probably easier on retreat, Mm -hmm. but it is possible. Um, It's also possible to work with a body that's not very comfortable. I don't know if any of you know Shyla Catherine. She's a meditation teacher up in Mountain View who has done very deep concentration work using Powox Iodos method, which is a very 
strict, stringent way of doing jhana practice. And she has gone through, Bill's going to talk about these things, so I'm not going to go into detail, but she's gone through all the jhanas with him uh, and mastered them in various ways to the point where he allowed her to teach his method. Uh, And she has chronic uh, back pain, and she has a chronic back injury such that she can't stay in the same position for more than about 20 minutes. So she's doing jhana practice, very deep concentration, and she's moving every 20 minutes. And she's just learned how to do that. Quite amazing, actually. So no excuses. (laughs) Um, I'm very impressed with her. Um, And so I've also, just in a much more mundane example... I was um, cleaning a very, very nasty stove one time. I don't know when the last time it was cleaned was. And there's a lot of elbow grease and scrubbing and kind of nasty stuff. But I found myself getting concentrated (laughs) and feeling (laughs) joyful about it because it was such a focused task. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we all know about the focus that comes from, you know, playing music or doing sports or art. But cleaning a stove, why not? (laughs) You know, it took a lot of focus to do that. And I found my mind unifying around that just because the other conditions that were there or that were needed were there. So these states of relaxed alertness, which is really what concentration is about, relaxed alertness, staying in the present moment, are available to us in daily life and on the cushion. don't need to be a concentration expert. I can concentrate also while cooking, it turns out. Um, that's a time when... I need to have a little bit of focus um, to read the recipe or observe what's happening or follow the task and do it in the right order. Um, But there's also some ease, and of course there's usually some joy associated with making food, and so I find that's an easy time for my mind to settle into a form of samadhi, just to be with that task. And then usually the attitude um, is hopefully good, either nourishing myself or cooking for friends, so I'm not, for example, trying to impress people or, you know, getting all stressed out about all of that, so that wouldn't really support having samadhi. Sometimes I have to do something quickly, you know, uh, the pot's boiling over and you have to quickly attend to it, no problem. Um, concentration is not about going super-duper slow like you do on retreat <laughs> and all the people in front of you in the food line are irritated because you're really <laughs> slowly. <laughs> you know, that's not necessary. It's not, not even necessary for concentration. It's the continuity of mindfulness, going with the flow of experience. So you may notice that I included the intention explicitly. Another important element of wise concentration is that the mind has not been taken over by greed, hatred, or delusion. So there are forms of concentration that are called unwise concentration. And those are or wrong concentration, even. And um, there are many examples in daily life that are actually states that clearly include these other unwholesome components. So we can have to be aware of that. You may not do this in daily life, but the classic example is a, a pickpocket concentrating on you know, the very carefully removing a wallet from somebody's pocket. Um, so that's maybe concentration, but there's certainly some greed there or something else, not wholesome. Uh, we may concentrate very well on doing a task at work, but we're doing it out of sheer terror, you know, that our boss is angry at us and we're going to focus and get this right. You may feel concentrated, you may be gathered around that task, but it has aversion in it, so it's not wise concentration. 
it's not leading toward liberation. Or what about watching TV? Absorption, right? <laughs> Absorption in some late night something or other. Um, but this is a very passive type of attention that could be flavored with delusion. So also not wise concentration. Even if you're so concentrated, your partner walks in the room and you don't hear because you're watching TV. But that's not wise concentration. So, I guess I've alluded to it. Um, one of the supporting, another of the supporting conditions for concentration is ethical conduct. And you can see this from the structure of the Eightfold Path, right? Is that we, uh, the steps right before getting to the development of the mind, the last three steps are called the samadhi part of the path, effort, mindfulness, and concentration. Before that, what did we have? Speech, action, and livelihood. It's not an accident that those steps come before the steps of developing the mind. So we need to be behaving well in our life and generally maintaining our relationships, not living our life based on killing, lying, stealing, etc., in order to be able to sit down and have this experience of useful, wise concentration. Probably if you've just committed a crime, you're not going to have a really peaceful meditation right after that. That's a classic example, but you know, even, even in a more you know, typical situation for, for say, all of us, um, we sit down and what do we remember? We remember, darn it, I got angry at my daughter this morning and I said something I didn't want to, and that intrudes onto our meditation. Or... I'm very concerned about this situation. What should I do? How can I make sure that I respond well in this thing that I know is coming tomorrow? Another thing that catches our mind, right? So that we know that there's a need for these things to be settled and to have a sense of blamelessness. This doesn't mean everything is going perfectly because we don't have control over all the situations of what other people are doing in our lives. But to know that we have done as well as we could, we can settle that and be able to sit in meditation. So paying attention to our ethics is, is of course, very important for our relationships in the world, and it's important for the development of your mind also. So I want to talk a little bit then about the specific mind states that um, get in the way of our concentration. They they were named by the Buddha as so-called five hindrances, and I just want to name them and describe them because we're going to have a chance to explore them a little bit when we do our uh, discussion. So these are kind of the grosser distractions and forces that pull the mind away from being able to just rest in the present moment and have continuity of mindfulness. Okay, so the first two are about um, the push and pull of the mind relating to experience. So the first is sensual desire, and the second is ill will. And these have to do with wanting and not wanting, basically. So the mind may sit down or even just be going through life, and we're not able to be fully present because we we want something. You know, we're like, how can I get a donut? (laughs) Whatever it is that's on the mind. Or, you know, how can I get away from something? I, I have this headache. Where's the aspirin? Where's the Tylenol? And we're asking people for it, or we're going to stop off at the store, and that's our focus. It's all about, this is bad, I have to get rid of this. 
uh, you can see that we're not as present. You know, we can feel that we're not as present when the mind is holding on to something or looking for something or, this, or pushing something away on the other side. And we'll feel this also when we're sitting is a mind that's focused on that. Ill will is also can be directed, of course, toward people. We can be obsessed with how angry we are at a certain person or resenting something, resenting a situation that we're in, uh, which we're not going to solve in the next minute. And But still, the mind is focused on that. This injustice, I shouldn't have had that, this shouldn't be. Uh, this is a real distraction to, to being able to be present. So as I'm going through these, by the way, you can sort of check in your mind, like which your favorite one is. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all have all of them, probably, um, or at least many of them. And But you can check sort of which one seems to be your principal response to difficult situations. Do you want something? Do you not want something? So that's one kind of related pair. And then the third and the third and fourth are related to the energy level of the mind. So one is sloth and torpor, and the fourth is restlessness and worry, or restlessness and remorse, depending whether you go to the future or the past. And this is a mind that is either has too little energy, it's kind of dull, not connected, body is tired, falling asleep. We know this, right? This kind of mind. And then the other is the one that's you know, worried, agitated, bouncing around from thing to thing. Um, These are habits, actually. Often these are habitual responses to how we are and have less to do with the actual, absolute, required energy state of the mind. But they're more habitual ways that we relate to the flow of experience. You know, kind of like, ah, you know, not really being with it, not wanting to be there. Um, Or getting upset and agitated about things and revving up. We tend to feel comfortable with that. And you can check, you know, kind of which of those is common by whether you think the opposite of it would be a good idea or not. You know, we're more of a sloth and torpor type. We're like, oh, you know, I don't want to put out that much effort. You know, it's always been difficult for me to really get into things. Or if you're an agitation type, it's like, if I'm not upset about this, if I don't worry about this, everything's going to fall apart. If I don't, you know stress myself out, probably I'm going to lose my livelihood. Probably I won't take care of everything in my life. You can check if you have these little responses. See whether we're attached to these habitual energy levels. And then the fifth hindrance is doubt. Am I doing the right thing? What should I do? Is this really going to work for me? I don't know if I can do this. this kind of sense. It's hard to be present when you've got all that commentating going on. So there are numerous techniques for working with these. We won't have time to go into them, but needless to say, the most popular is mindfulness. (laughs) So being aware of a hindrance actually takes it out of the realm where it's hindering us. You You don't have to get rid of all of these and have a pristine, spotless, perfectly balanced, completely present, beautiful mind before concentration can even begin to happen. Actually, not having the hindrances is a concentrated mind, but long before that, we can be mindful of them. And as soon as we're mindful, it's technically not a hindrance anymore, right? If we're mindful that we have sensual desire, what do we have at that moment in our mind? Mindfulness, not sensual desire in the same way. 
right? So if we're aware of these things going on, then they're not hindering us. So I'm going on and on because this is one of my favorite topics, is this, this managing of the mind, you know, development of the mind through just daily interactions. But I'll, I'll wind up now in order that we can go on. But to recap, wise samadhi includes mindfulness that's fairly continuous, a mind that's calm and unified, has a kind of a wholesome intention, some degree of happiness in it. This state is enormously beneficial for yourself and the world, just cultivating these simple qualities that we can carry through our daily life. And then they form the, you know, the basis of becoming more concentrated on the cushion. It's so nice to be free from frenzy, isn't it? Free of frenzy. Distractions. Being calm helps other people be calm. So you're helping the world in this way. The unified mind is very pleasant. And it's a, I'll just throw that in at the end, it's a good kind of pleasure. It's not one that you have to worry about. It's not feeding the root of desire in our mind. But this pleasure is not the purpose. So a gathered, concentrated mind is very beautiful, but it's not the aim of the path. The aim is to see clearly, the aim of concentration. So we use it for insight, which we'll be talking about more. So the culmination of the path, of getting all the way to the eighth step, is that your mind is poised for liberating insight, which will lead you back into what? Wise view, the first step of the path. It's a loop. Sorry, we thought you thought you were getting to the end. But <laughs> it's, you're starting over. So, um, so that's what I'll say for now. We'll have a, another exploration of concentration in the second part. Um, but for now, we're going to have a chance to talk about this among ourselves a little bit, because I know you all have experiences with these mind states in daily life. You don't have to have had this on the cushion. So. Um, I think we'll have, we're going to have time at the end of the breakout session for group discussion, and that would be a time when you could ask questions also, but let's, um, let's move into that. So why don't you form, how many people do we have? Twelve. Twelve. Oh, we could do three or four. Let's do groups of three, actually, so it's a little more intimate. Why don't you guys form into groups of three, and then I'll um, offer the first question. Thank you. Alright. Alright, so the first discussion question is share your understanding of how some of the five hindrances operate in your mind and your life. And why don't we have um, each person um, go around and just speak for mm, about about two or three minutes, and I'll ring the bell between each of you. So I'll read it again. Um, share your understanding of how some of the five hindrances operate in your mind and your life. Go over the five hindrances. Just yes, just they are sensual desire, ill will, sloth and torpor, restlessness and remorse, and doubt. 
And someone who wrote those down can remind throughout the groups. Okay, go ahead. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.